Hello, hello, hello. Happy Sunday. You're listening to Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton, and I'm excited to welcome this week's co-host, the always fabulous Laura Branch. Thank you, Mary. I'm excited to be with you. (laughs) It's wonderful to be with you. And you know, what often happens when I'm co-hosting with you know, folks who are friends and I've known for years is I find out something I didn't know about you, Uh-oh. which is certainly the case here. Um, we grew up not far right. or in the same community, actually. A- a- absolutely. Morgan right? Park. That's right. On the south side. south side. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but tell people, so you tell people a little bit about your background just to give a little context. So I'm a lifelong Chicagoan, mm-hmm. little, little stints outside in New York and L.A., but I've grown up here and I've been here most of my adult life. Um Grew up in, in Morgan Park, but I mm-hmm. started off in Inglewood, Southside, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and uh, daughter of a preacher's kid and a teacher, and I'm from a big family of seven kids, uh, and I do a lot of things. And you produce <laughs> a lot of things. Yes, I'm busy. Uh-huh. Uh, I, you know, I call myself an artist, but I'm kind of like a artist-slash-public health activist, because those are the two sort of trajectories my life has taken. Well, we yeah. can't forget about the music, though. That, well, that's my artistry. You okay, know, that's, that is that's the, what right, I call that, art, the artistry. Artist. Okay, because yes. that is something we'll be talking a lot about today because it is, in fact, my favorite music and my favorite dance music, and that is house music. Hey, now. Yes. It's the best. Love it, love it, love it so much. Um, but before we go there, mm-hmm. we met, I think... In the nineties, in the nineties, around the Chicago Black Lesbians and Gays. Yeah, group? yeah, I was, uh, I was in uh, on the leadership team, and I think at some point was one of the chairs of Chicago Black Lesbians and Gays, which was a sort of a radical little group. Then, of, <laughs> 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 hey, that was a radical thing. No, at the time. I, that's what I'm saying. At I that was, time, it was absolutely. I was like probably in the closet for the most part it, it professionally until I met that group. Oh, really? Okay. And I ran into this phenomenal woman named Renee Ogletree. Yeah. Who um, I got introduced to by someone, and they were needing a, a. Oh, you know how I met her? I was working on the West Side, uh-huh. and this. Uh, they said we need a big meeting space for our group, Chicago mm-hmm. Black Lesbians and Gays. And mm-hmm. I, was, I was like, I don't know what is that. Well, I think you know we have a big meeting space in the place I worked, and it was an organization, was you know, community based organization yes. in North Lawndale. Right. And when I found out what it was, I'm like, ooh, I don't know how the people here would feel about something like that. So, like, do I put a sign on the door that says the meeting is here for lesbians mm-hmm, and gay people? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't out. And mm-hmm. we, anyway. we use CBLG a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's how we, we said, well, just put a sign that says CBLG meeting uh-huh, here. Uh-huh. And then I was sitting there more observing than anything because I, I didn't know this group. And I, I saw this Renee Ogletree and she was just this fierce, fiercely intelligent, beautiful spirit. And I was so drawn to her and by like just her her, her integrity, mm-hmm. you know, about who she was and and what she was trying to do. And it just she just had a, um, a an appeal that was, you know, infectious to everyone. And so I, it was that day that I decided I'm not going to be in the closet anymore, anywhere, maybe on Uber rides with creepy dudes. You know, <laughs> then I have a husband. But other than that, you know, I'm like, I'm just not going to do it. And so that was the start of my t- time with 
with sort of being in, in, in that activism space. Okay. And so many wonderful things came, came out of yes. um, CBOG or Chicago Black Lesbians and Gays. And, and a few weeks ago, Affinity had a major event mm-hmm. um, where I showed a film that you were in um, nice. during that time uh, around the Unity Conferences, yes. as you may recall. Yes. Conferences that we held um, that really brought a wide range of uh, activist groups together because there was so much activism. Yes, you know, was. it was Yahemba. Um, there was literary exchange. There was CBLG. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot. There was the um, what is it? The ad hoc committee on um, on the black, black lesbians and gays, gays who did the first Bud Billiken exactly, parade. Yes. Exactly. So lots of mm-hmm. activism um, and just people were were ready to move. Yes, they were. They were ready to move. It was the time was right, and I think that that was before we had social media, before we had many ways that, that we could expand community. So it was really important to be in those grassroots groups if you wanted to be connected to the issues and to, to have a voice that could be heard. You know, you really didn't have any other ways to do that. That's right. That's right. And just as a coincidence, mm-hmm. speaking about your current life, yes. tell us a little bit about where things are now and your family, who, by the way, I think uh, your spouse was just was, on earlier on, on Scott's yeah, show. Kind of hilarious. So you know, my, <laughs> my wife, Dr. Simone Kohlinger, she uh, is um, the chief program officer for the AIDS Foundation of Chicago. And we are getting ready for our days this morning. And she's like, well, I got an interview, a radio interview. I was like, oh, that's great. Well, I'm going to be hanging out with Mary. I have a radio interview with her. Never thinking it was the same station, mm-hmm. which is kind of mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a, a happy coincidence. Your world's colliding all the time, uh, all I'm the sure. All the time. We don't talk about work at home, though. Okay. Yeah. She says, uh, if I talk about work, it's kind of like her supervisor sitting at the edge of the bed or my, oh, you know, wow. she's like, so okay. let's, we, we talk about it, but not too much. Yes. I understand that. No, yeah. no, I understand because I get very involved in whatever I'm doing. And uh-huh. uh, Will and I had to have a an understanding, shall we say, yes, <laughs> about um, how much and when. Absolutely. Because, you know, you get worked up and you come home and you bring some of that energy with you and... Sometimes it's just not a good thing. It's not. Not always. Yeah. It's good to keep it separate Uh um, as much as that makes sense. Um, So, no, I totally understand that. So... You, um, what, where, so you grew up uh, on the South Side. And then what, what, what happened in between that time and what you're doing now, which is working in the uh, pharmaceutical area? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I call it public health still, even though Mm -hmm. I work in industry. I work for Gilead Sciences, but I work in the public health, sort of the public health uh, part of the company mm-hmm. um, in government affairs and policy. And that work started as a direct result of sort of the rest of sort of my coming out experience. Like it's it's a whole trajectory more than we have time for. And I don't want to bore your audience. But suffice it, suffice it to say that I was a kid in the 80s when AIDS was brand new. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was surrounded by these beautiful black gay men who were many of whom uh, contracted HIV at mm-hmm. a very early age mm-hmm. and went on to pass away especially in the early 90s, it was just like tsunami of death in my life. And um, it really compelled me um, as a person in my community, both in my music community as part of the house music community um, and as a part of the black gay community and just a, a citizen of the world to do something that sort of aligned with, um, you know, where I was in, in that space. And that was that I wanted to work in, in AIDS prevention, AIDS care. Um, back then, before we had reliable medicine where we before we had really reliable testing any of that so i was involved 
in the early 90s, you know, as a as a health educator and then a case manager and kind of a frontline provider just dealing with people who were at risk or living with HIV. And that kind of led to a career of service around HIV, mm-hmm. um, both within the community organization space, like I was mentioned on the West Side, working in government for the Chicago Department of Public Health, which led me to a lot of different really great roles mm-hmm. while I was there for almost 15 years, really? including the uh, Office of LGBT Health. Right. I, think I might have been right. doing that while you while were I there. was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then directing programs, both clinical and community programs. Um, and that and that led to working in industry. So I've had this really full, well-rounded experience, you know, where I, I got to be on the ground in the community, right. working with patients directly uh, in the case management uh, space, working with young people, uh, you know, working, bringing that that um, education to television uh, programming, sort of using like my Columbia College, you know, background mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. create arts out of it. You know, I had a a, a television show, radio shows, lots of lots of different ways to sort yes. of reach people. Yes. When we had limited ways to do that, um, and and really sort of rolling that up to where I am now, working in industry uh, with uh, within Gilead, uh, and where I work with lots of hospitals, community health centers, stakeholders around like how do we um, how do we end HIV? How do we cure hepatitis? How do we how do we um, you know, do what we need to do to make sure no one slips through the cracks when they are seeking health care. So if you show up at a hospital, when you leave that hospital, you, there's no mysteries around what your status is. Right. If you have HIV, if you have hepatitis C, if you have breast cancer even. Right. So that's, that's right. that type of programming I do there. And it sometimes collides with my um, musical side mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. like DJing. Yes, it or not. absolutely. No, I well, you know, my worlds collide. Often. Absolutely, and you know, you've mentioned a couple of things. I just want to, yeah, um, uh, add on to um, you. To your point, done lots in media and mm-hmm. in public health, and somehow or another, when I was talking to someone about you coming on, they said, "Well, has she had something to do with some films?" I said, "Yes, she has." And uh-huh. I think I there was I had a small role in oh, one. It had, was so funny. It was very very funny. Um, yeah. I was giving major shade to uh, my friend in Kevin's room. Yes. Um, yeah, that was fun. That was fun to be on the set. Um, yes. And it was, and it's very different doing. I think people don't necessarily understand the difference between doing a documentary and doing a narrative piece right um because you know we shot it one way and inez was yes. uh, i think the dp and said okay we need to now reverse that and yes. do everything again the exact the other, same one way one camera one camera that's yeah. right and it's a little you know it's very different obviously yeah. than when you're making a documentary when we are getting people you know as we can yes. where, however they are Right. right, however they are. So, and you, and you did an amazing job when we were <laughs> auditioning, folks. And I saw your nails. Like Mary wants to be in our film. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. And and what was cool is how humble you were. You're like, no, I'm going to go through the audition. I want to you know, earn it fairly. And we were like, she's perfect. <laughs> so Mary funny. plays the best. Plays the best friend of one of the lead characters in Kevin's Room Part Two. It's a three part series that you can see on. On YouTube, you can actually see. Yeah. Go to the Chicago Department of Public Health YouTube channel. Okay, and you can see all three parts of the series. Okay, which was great. Thank you for doing it. Oh, many, absolutely. Many years later, it well, still resonates for people. And let me just say, we'll talk a little bit more about my own yes. uh, connections to HIV and AIDS. Yes. We'll do that a little bit later. But right now, um, just want to thank you for being here. Of course. Um, we've got a great show, of course, coming up, and we're going to talk um, about some news items in just a moment. We've got Craig Loftus, yes. amazing 
DJ, musician, longtime Chicagoan as well. We're playing his music today. That's Yay. right. Thank Yay. you, Craig. Um, <laughs> and uh, all kinds of things coming up that we'll be discussing. But we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton. We're back in a moment. It's Mary Morton with Living Out Loud. And here's a little bit about Morton Group, the sponsor of my show. Morton Group is a national consulting firm working with nonprofits, foundations, for-profits, and government entities. Our work helps organizations expand and deepen their impact by working on equity initiatives and executive placements, among other areas of focus. Reach out to us at info at mortongroup.com with any questions. And don't forget to listen in on Sundays at 1 p.m. on WCPT 820 a.m. Hi, everyone. We are back on Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton. I want a special thanks to Paul uh, for working with us today. And, of course, my co-host is Laura Branch. And, you know, what we like to do in this segment is talk a little bit about some of the news items, things that are, you know, of interest to us. It'd be nice if I had my headsets on. How about if I do that? Okay. <laughs> um, and let's talk about something that I think continues to... Uh, be in the news and as it should be, and that is what's happening, what care is being given to folks who are here, uh, the migrants. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I think that um, I have a lot of thoughts on this Okay, I, I understand that. Okay. <laughs> but my main thought is that we should be true to the term sanctuary city. If that's what we are, we should be that for these people who are seeking help. And I do understand that there's always limitations and that we want to keep people safe and healthy 
Um, we're all also coming up on Chicago's winters, which are, are terribly hard. That's right. And I'd hate to be someone trying to find shelter when it gets below zero. But I feel like we should be marshalling our resources and doing the very best we can for these people who are seeking our help. Um, we, we, we need that help. We need, we need those people. We need that, um, that energy um, because that's who we are as Americans, as Chicagoans. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with all that. Um, as you probably know from uh, this week's news, apparently um, Brighton Park, where they, they mm-hmm. started construction, they found some um, traces of yeah. lead and other other, you know, Things that should not you, you should not be breathing, right? No. Other chemicals that one should not be breathing in. Um, so the, something's going to have to be done about that. And of yeah. course, the the community was not in favor of that. Similarly, in Amundsen Park, where the community came out in a very strong manner, and apparently, mm-hmm. um, they will not be putting up uh, any temporary shelters or doing any of that. And my understanding uh, from what the city has said is that they don't need it as right. opposed to that was necessarily, OK, we've heard the community speak and we're going to move away from that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've seen um, I've seen lots of back and forth on lots of decisions, and I'm not astute enough to understand all those dynamics. But I do know that there is the will to support folks. There's a, a big space out on 115th and Halsted. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It's not far from where we grew mm-hmm. up. Used to be the Jewel Osco. Oh, yes, absolutely. Then it became Target mm-hmm. and it yeah, was something yeah. else. Now it's a big empty space. Because that Target closed? All, all, everything closed there. It's a mall okay. that has nothing in it okay. except for migrants who are in tents in the parking lot. Oh, and I, I, don't, I don't know that. what's happening inside that space. I don't understand why folks aren't inside of that space. But I do think the city uh, should have a, a, a special commission. And if they do have a special commission, that they could do a better job of communicating why people are outside in the cold, why they're, you know, why, why we can't use certain spaces, why we can. I think we've got to do a better job of helping us, our citizens, understand the root of the, of the problems of why we, right. you know, what what kind of burden does it present for us if that is such a thing? And how are we addressing that? Well, I, I agree with all that. And I don't understand. And I think someone told me something about this a few months ago when I said, why aren't we using all of the empty schools? I agree. Um, is there something about the school buildings that... It, that it makes sense to put up a completely new structure mm-hmm. than to use a structure that's already sound, mm-hmm. right? It's been built. It's there. Um, yes, you have to connect things and, yeah. and all that. But why wouldn't that be better than using new construction going into communities that, by the way, are under all in most cases under resourced? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think. I, I want to assume mm-hmm. uh, that it is not um, that people don't want to be supportive. Um, but they are concerned about resources in their own communities and mm-hmm. certainly in Bright, uh, not in Brighton Park, but in Amundsen Park. Um, I heard someone saying yesterday, so our our children have not been able to use the park for the last 60 days. I, I get that. I get that. There are other parks. I'm sorry, Amundsen. I know that I know it's inconvenient. You can't walk to where you need to get to. Uh, but let's think about these young children who whose lives are being threatened. Their very existence is threatened, which is why they would walk. From Venezuela, you know. I mean, can you imagine? No, I can't. Can you imagine why would someone do that in the first place unless they, there was an existential Desperate. crisis Absolutely. in their family's life? That's if right. If your family was being threatened mm-hmm. or you couldn't feed your children, you would do anything you could to get to a place That's where right. there's a modicum of safety and security. That's all they're looking for. That's the right. The right to exist. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. And we're complaining because we don't have a park that's two blocks from us. We, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I may sound, you know, whatever, but I think we could do better. We can do better. We can do better. Um, so we're, we're, you know, we're going to continue to follow this. Yes. Um, and if there's anything that is going on in your community, like at, particularly at our alder person's office, um, Alderman Vasquez, Andre Vasquez, we are th- that that is a place where you can drop things off. That's you great. know, um, whether it's clothing, um, suitcases. So we had a you know we had a yard sale in our neighborhood, and all the suitcases that we had, we took over to their offices because folks need ways to transport Absolutely. all of their stuff and stop so they can stop using plastic bags yeah, and things of that yeah, nature. Yeah, that's really important. And things like socks and oh, and socks clean are socks. really really key. Brand new socks in the package, really key. Yes, you know, under all that stuff that you take for granted, you know that is. Uh, it's very necessary as we move into these winter months, especially. Absolutely. So we're going to keep talking about it. I want to encourage you to mm-hmm. look in your own communities for how you can be supportive and think about if if this were your family. Exactly. I, I think that's the best way to do it. If you want to have empathy, you know, think about what you would do to take care of your family. What What lengths would you go to for their safety and security and to feed them? That's right. That's right. Well, okay, let's switch gears for a moment, yes. and uh, let's talk about a little music, a music that's in the news this weekend. Okay. Is that Beyonce's film has opened, The yes. Renaissance. Hey, now. And I did go to see it, and it is fabulous. Yeah. It is really so well done. Mm-hmm. Um, really, you get a, a sense of what it takes to to put on a concert yeah. of that magnitude. It's huge. And the, and the fact that they've been working on it, she says this at the toward the beginning, we've been working on this for four years. Of course. Four years. Yeah. Now, have you ever seen her in concert? And are, and are, not, are you a part of the Beehive? Uh, I am definitely a big fan. I've not seen her in concert. I was planning to, and some stuff fell through this year. But uh, that's not going to stop me. I love Beyonce. I especially love that she has helped to re-energize or to energize House music on a on a much bigger scale than has ever happened. Oh my God! I mean, yes. when she got up and, and received her Grammy, yes, and thanked the queer community, yeah, it was extraordinary. It was extraordinary, and in Chicago, the house, the home of house music, it was also controversial. Oh, really? It was Why? very controversial because when you ascribe a genre of music to one group of people. The people who are not part of that community who had major contributions are going to have something to say. And for her to say, you know, that this genre was created by the queer community, there are people who feel like they were equal contributors who don't consider them part, themselves the- part of the queer mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think it was legitimate, but I also think it was way overblown. And, you know, just some of the arguments that I had till three o'clock in the morning. Really? Oh, it was, it got kind of ugly, to be honest. But I think that these are my friends. Many of them are my friends and folks who I grew up with. You know, we were able to come to sort of a, a, a peaceful place around it. But I think there was still some feelings, uh, uh, especially when you talk about men who identify, primarily men who identify as straight men mm-hmm. who created some of the earliest house music tracks. And I'm, I'm using air quotes. You can't see me mm-hmm. here. Who were not part of the gay community, were influenced, obviously, by the gay community, well. were informed by the gay community, um, and sometimes that memory gets more distant. Well, n- not yeah. only that, but it, in some cases, will point to some um, 
bias, right? Uh, that you're yes. concerned, like it, it's a bad thing that yeah. you're, you're you're considered part of the queer community, right? That's not a um, good thing, yeah. and you want to fight against it. So that that speaks to some other, you know, concerns. That, yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was a it was a tough few days after that announcement wow. was made for me because the comments were mild to severely homophobic. So it was mild, like, mm-hmm. hey, wait a minute, I'm a straight guy. Right. I created, like, right. the first this, that, mm-hmm. and the other, and mm-hmm. I'm, I don't consider myself queer, so why don't I get credit? And so, you know, it's, it, it was a nuanced and difficult conversation um, to, to sort of t- tease out where that homophobia and hetero, hetero assumptions, you know, mm-hmm. Were, mm-hmm. Were, were coming out in those arguments. And some of it was very blatant and, and really hurtful, honestly. Oh, I, I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. I... I, I didn't have any idea that that was happening because that's not I'm not in inside that world like right. you are. Um, but I would say that there was a fair amount of um, uh, visibility in the yes. film. I mean, it opens up probably within the first five minutes. There's a huge gay flag. And I mean, the inclusive one, yes. you know, uh, yes. on screen. And you see that a lot. That's great. Um, and I actually thought. I thought that maybe we were going to see a little bit of Big Frida somewhere in there. And maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe they were in it and they didn't make the final cut. But because Big Frida is all over, yeah. you know, Break My Soul. Is it Break My Soul? Yeah, she opens yeah. up the uh, the first uh, stanza yeah. in that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just thought, yeah, we're going to see Big Frida, aren't we? Come on, where is she? She's I funny. love Big Frida. I've yeah. actually gone to see Big Frida in yeah. concert. Um, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention... Uh, my dear friend Honey Dijon, ah. who was who was who also received a Grammy, who wrote and produced two of the tracks on there, including oh, really? Cozy. Yes, oh, wonderful, absolutely. And oh. Honey's gonna Honey is here, um, so she's touring the United States uh-huh. now. She lives overseas, but she's here in Chicago. I think uh, doing a party the same night I'm doing a party on December 9th at a Radius. Oh no! So yeah, I'm out of town. Well, oh, shoot. yeah, you'll miss her, but she's great, uh, okay. and she she had a lot to do with that album. So there was. There was queer, there was a, a lesbian, gay, transgender representation up and down, and we couldn't be, you know, more proud, certainly, of the Chicago contributors. Terry, um, Terry Hunter actually won a Grammy for his remix of Break My Soul. Um, so, yeah, lots of Who Chicago knew? influences. That is wonderful to know. Really, Absolutely. really happy to know that. And you know what? We're going to keep talking about house music because after we take a short break, we're going to be speaking with Craig Loftus, an extraordinary DJ, longtime musician here in Chicago and very much part of this scene. So you're listening to Living Out Loud, and we're back in a moment.
are back on Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton here with Laura Branch. And we're going to talk to uh, someone who has been heavy on the scene for a long time. Uh, really a very talented uh, person and someone whose music we've been listening to for the last several weeks on Living Out Loud. So excited, <laughs> excited to welcome you to Living Out Loud. Hey, Craig, how are you? Hi, how are you guys? We are great and so happy to welcome you here. And I'm going to turn it over to Laura. Hey, Craig. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hey, Laura, how are you? I'm glad you're joining us. I know you're a little under the weather, so I really appreciate you taking the time to be on this show. Um, so yeah, we, I appreciate you guys. Oh, well, we appreciate. So let me give Craig his, his proper uh, intro, and sort of tell you our connection. So Craig and I have known each other. We we were we went to the warehouse uh, as teenagers. The, the was, warehouse. We were sneaking yes. in there, you know, as as underage people. Even for the warehouse, where you had to be eighteen. Craig was sixteen. I was seventeen. Oh my goodness! And we were we were we've been a long time comrades in in this thing called house music. Prior to house music, we called it punk out music. We called it disco. We called it all kinds of things. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So so Craig uh, and the music you listened to, that you heard was uh, Craig's uh, song "Mary Mary," and I'll let him talk about it. But I just wanted to say, um, you know, this guy, if you don't have his music you should check Get him it. out craig mm-hmm. loft is also known as grand high priest but uh welcome to the show craig and thanks for joining us i appreciate you guys actually before we go into the music can i touch back on something i was yes. listening to the show and I, we were talking about the migrants mm-hmm. and the area that you all are speaking of on 115th is around the corner from my home mm-hmm. i know mm-hmm yeah, and one of the things is that the neighborhood, the problem that a lot of the people have in the neighborhood and the situation, maybe I would say citywide, with the acceptance of the migrants is the fact that there have been homeless people in Chicago for quite some time. Mm-hmm. That's right. And now all of a sudden, every stop is being pulled and, you know, everything is being done to house uh, immigrants that are coming in when they're, they're wondering, well, where was all this attention when, you know, it was just the homeless people of Chicago? And what was really kind of like a slap in the face in our neighborhood, what they're doing over here now is the plan is to build military tents. It was fine when they started Mm -hmm. working. You know, everyone could see them working, and it was like, you know, transparency. Then all of a sudden, they put up a black gate around, and now no one in the neighborhood knows what's going on in there. I think that was a very bad move because they were already trying to get some acceptance to it. But when they put the black gate, now they don't know what's really going on and what's happening. Well, you know, um, I think one of the things you're you're raising, Craig, is it's about transparency, right? And letting people really yes. what what's what's going to happen in your community and, and, and just to remind everyone, we're on eight twenty AM. Eight twenty AM eight twenty AM WCPT, because uh, a couple of folks are asking about that who are looking at us uh, perhaps on, on um on Facebook. on Facebook. But Craig, I think that it's important that we don't try to pit any group against each other, right? We have the unhoused, oh, no, to your point, yeah, right? Yeah. And there is no hierarchy of oppression, right? It's bad all it's bad around. Everywhere. It's bad everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But I think how people get information really matters, to yes. your point, and, and being transparent, being inclusive in those conversations. Right. I think we have to have more of that or else... People are going to be resentful, and they're going to they're going to push back right, on it, right? Because they're going to yeah. be resentful about what uh, what they're seeing, and what they're seeing is a displacement, 
Right. You know, something's wrong and it's happening at a very in my basic level. That's right. Right. That's right. So exactly, exactly. So we should, let's talk about the music, okay? Because we can let's talk about the, the music. Situation. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, I just want to talk about that. That is okay, fine. Listen, I understand. It's real. It is real. Yep. But Craig, uh, we wanted to do very quickly in anatomy of a song um you are so prolific you've been doing house music since the, since 1983 was that your first production around 1983 Correct. but dj yeah, since we both started in 1980 1981 um our first first shows uh, you know at sours and the loft and the penthouse and the places where our group vertical would perform but production became your thing um and talk a little bit about sort of the anatomy of a song. Maybe we could talk about Mary Mary since you've been playing. We've been playing that for people to hear. And that's one of your most uh, famous songs. Maybe just talk about that one. Well, Mary Mary was actually a DJ tool. And what that mm-hmm. means is every DJ tries to get to, you know, come up with uh, a particular sound, a track or something that only they have that stands out. Actually, Mm -hmm. that's how Jesse Saunders started with On and On. Mm -hmm. It was actually a DJ tool, and then it broke off into something else. What does that mean, Um, DJ tool? A DJ tool, I'm going to explain to you. Okay. Um, With Mary Mary, for instance, uh, I had taken a long hiatus from DJing Mm -hmm. for a while, and then I was asked to become the resident of the prop house on Friday night. Oh, yes. Well, when I came in, you know, I came in, I won't say with a slight arrogance, oh, I'm Craig Loftus. And when I started playing the music that I was accustomed to playing from the power plant and to a six in those days um the kids were not receptive to it and i had a rude awakening so what i had to do was i sat back and i watched and listened to all the songs that gave the most reaction when we had visiting djs and things like that we had an element in it and so what i decided to do one day was to go home and create my own track, which had all of the elements in it. Mm-hmm. So uh, you had a group of kids, which were called the Ball Kids. If you notice, there's a crash sound yes. in Mary Mary. It's like a that crash sound is synonymous with any ball song. The Ball Kids, I don't care what you're playing. If they hear that crash, they're going to lose their mind. So I put that <laughs> element in it. Yeah. Then you had another group of kids that were, they, they called it, they wanted the beats. That means that they wanted an up-tempo mm-hmm. track that was just jumping. So I did that. And then you had your older house heads yes. that were more into a vocal response. They wanted soulful vocals right. on top of it. So I actually put all those elements together for one reason, to make my yeah. dance floor. Because mm-hmm. each time I would play something, mm-hmm. my dance floor would split up. They wouldn't leave the dance floor, yes. but it would split up. So those people so, who were older house heads were like, this is too techno for me. The younger so people were like, this feels older. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So they wouldn't leave the floor. They'll leave the dance area. They would just leave the floor. That's right. I wanted something and a sound that would bring them all together. Yes. And thus, Mary Mary was the one. And it was very and successful. Yeah, and at that particular time, that's when I went from Craig Loftus to Grand High Priest. I love and it. And that's when Grand High Priest was born. I love it. I wish we had more time to talk about that story. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You have another track but that... Go ahead, Craig. I, I, I do want to give give uh, talk about... You have many other tracks that are... 
that you can find on, on Craig's Bandcamp uh, page, uh, Craig Loftus, a.k.a. Grand High Priest, as well as uh, some tracks that you can find on some of the regular, uh, like Track Source, right, Craig? Track Source, yes. All of my music Before, is on yes. Track Source. And, yeah, uh, so you can find stuff there. Yeah, Jimmy Go Boom is another one that uh, that Craig is well known for. Um, so much so that one of my cousins said to me, there's this track out here. I just, it goes like this. Hey, hey, feel all right. One time. Uh. I was like, yeah, that's my friend actually produced that. You would have thought that I knew the biggest celebrity in Beyonce. the world. <laughs> yeah, He's right, like, right. you know him? I'm like, yeah, that's my friend. You've probably met him at a family yeah. function. He was so impressed. But how does that feel when people like... So, you know, feel like they they're they're meeting a celebrity because they know your music. Uh, it's it's surreal. Yeah, and it makes you feel good. You know, I've been DJing for years since I was fifteen. I am now sixty years old, yes. and I have people who constantly come up to me and say, you know, it, there's a thing with DJs about the timing. Yes. where where is your time slot? Yes. And sometimes I'll open up for an event. Meaning, and the time slot like, is when you where do you where do you fall when you where when there's you a group play, of DJs playing on one night? Yes. And I have no problem. I have no problems opening an event and Mm -hmm. people are feeling like, well, you deserve to be the headliner. I am still a headliner, but guess what? Now I set the tone of the room. That's right. And I set the tone of this party. Yeah. And that's how I look at that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's a good attitude. Yeah, it's a very good feeling to, to, you know, I don't have to play everywhere because I can walk into a club and I hear my music. That is, That's more satisfying than me actually yeah, DJing. I'm sure. That must be an incredible feeling to walk in and just hear your music and, you know, they don't necessarily know you're coming or even if they do, but your music is playing. That's is right. I, I just can't even imagine. Tell me a little bit about yes. how The Chosen yeah, Few like, came to so be. That's so funny. The Chosen Few. Chosen Few, that's well, funny because I see my boy Alan just, just is watching. I hope you're watching Alan King, who's yeah. a member of the Chosen Actually, Few. Actually, the Chosen Few, um, from my knowledge, the way we all started, it started out as a family picnic yeah. behind the Museum of well, Science that, and Craig, Industry. She's asking about the genesis of the Chosen Few, right? Yes. Because mm-hmm. that that what's even before the family picnic that started in the 90s was the Chosen Few Disco Corporation was started by... Oh, yeah, by yeah, Wayne okay, Williams. well, let me take it back there, yeah. And, uh, and also, there, you yeah. can talk about the connection with the Chosen Few and, and our group. Yeah, what happened was, back then, we were promoting parties under a group called Vertigo, and this mm. was before Lori became a DJ, and the Chosen Few was actually our DJs. That's yes. who we used to hire okay. to do our events. But... Um, it's just amazing to see how these guys have grown and this little picnic has actually turned into one of the world's largest and most respected house That's music right. uh, events go in the world. Go Chosen Few. Go Chosen Few. They've taken a lot of heat. You know, people don't understand. Yes. You know, okay. these guys have actually been doing, been doing this for a long years. time. Yeah, we, we got to like have a show. We're going to have to have a show just about Chosen few but I mean, absolutely they, I and we can do that Alan's i'm happy to do that Facebook. thanks alan we just we just your name just came up as you started watching thanks for checking in but uh we're gonna have to wrap it up craig and clearly you know we we need more time with you but i just wanted to say thank you for for chiming in and thank you for all that you've done and for all the entertainment and fun that you've created 
especially for me. I know. <laughs> Very I personally. Well, uh, can I can I do a blade and a little plug please, in there? Please, please. If you guys, guys want to hear me, yes. I will be DJing. I'm giving a New Year's Eve party at Haven Entertainment Center, and I will okay. be playing also with Donna McGee performing, and she's one of our house Donna classes. McGee is performing at Haven with Craig's New Year's Eve party? New Year's Eve, okay. Yeah. All right. That's so, the place to be, New Year's so Eve. So where can they check you out, Craig? Where can people find Craig Loftus? Well, actually, you'll be able to find Craig Loftus back at his home, the Lodge, (laughs) coming up in the next couple of months. The Lodge is on 51st and Prairie? 51st and Prairie, 5108 South Prairie. All right, if you haven't been there, you have to go. It's the closest thing that you're going to find to, like, the original disco house music feel that we all talk about in the 80s. It's so fun. And Craig is the proprietor of this establishment. And also a great DJ. I've learned so much here today. Hey, oh, my hey. goodness. All right, Craig. Well, I hope to see you um, out of the lodge. <laughs> All right. Thanks, great. Steve Donegan. Well, I hope you continue to feel better. And thanks so much for joining us on Living Out Loud. Thank you, Craig. No, thank you so much. All right. Thank you for having me. Okay. Right. Take, good care. Take care. Wow. He is awesome. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have him back on uh, for sure. But right now we're going to take a short break and listen to some more of Craig's music. You're listening to Living Out Loud, and we're back in a moment. Hey, now. People, this is Gina Yashue, comedian extraordinaire. And when I'm in Chicago, I like to hang out with my good friend, Mary Morton, on her fantastic show, Living Out Loud on WCPT. So listen. <laughs> I love that so much. And I love Gina Yashue. And I, I just have to say, I know you're a fan of hers as well. Yes. And they just announced that this will be the final season oh, for no. Bob Hart's Abishola on CBS. Catch it yes. while you can. Um, it's a really funny show. I love that show. And, uh, you know, she's a showrunner, 
uh, creator, co-creator, yes. and um, it's been it'll, it'll be five years. So it's been a My really goodness. good run. Good for her. It's a good run, and there's more to come. There's yeah. more to come from Gina yeah. Yashere for sure. But you know what? In, in this final segment, I'd love to know yeah. what's 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 coming up for you. I know you've got oh some projects. Yeah, I know you do. Well, that's that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Busy people get Busy more stuff people to do. Get more stuff to that's do. Right. Yes, but I have a, a few things. Last year, uh, this year, I've been lucky enough to actually co-produce and or participate in um, several documentaries about house music. And a couple of them are specifically nice. about the history of house music, one of which is produced by Hillary Clinton's um, uh, Hidden Light Production Company, Elegance Bratton, and um, and a few others who are um, doing some amazing work within that co- uh, company. And they, they're going to talk about disco de- demolition, and I'm interviewed as a part of that. Is that available now? No, it's coming out in 2024. Okay, great. So all these are out next year. Uh, B.A. Allen, you might know uh, B.A. Allen. Oh, yes. She's a producer. Barbara with, uh, Allen. Yes, Barbara mm-hmm. Allen yeah. for um, WTTW. Mm-hmm. And she's also working on an amazing uh, documentary uh, for Chicago Story Series mm-hmm. uh, on WTTW. And that's coming out in 2024. And I'm, I'm serving as an associate producer on that. Exciting. Um, as nice. well as uh, Frank Moody, who's a, a, a house music duo out of London, um, is do- doing a documentary about their 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 work. Um, as young house music produce, uh, producers and DJs were youngish, and they were here. <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> <laughs> they were here uh, over the summer for you know Lollapalooza and other things, and did some interviews with them. So I'm looking forward to that. It's Rolling Stones production, um, and uh, there's a few other things that I'm working on on my own. Uh, you know about women. Yes, uh, women DJs, women producers, mm-hmm. and I'm working with Carl Productions here in Chicago. Um, and Tracy Bame is going to be coming on to support me uh, to help uh, p- help me produce that project. It's almost fully shot, so that's going to be out next year as well. So lots of work um, and uh, lots more music. I'm still DJing. I, I do it mostly like maybe once or twice a month, not too much. Oh, I don't know. Seems like it's been more than that. Over uh, the summer, Laura? I kind of mm-hmm. I scale it up yeah. over the summer, but it in the wintertime, like I kind of slow down because <laughs> it's too. Cold outside. I know. But so, I'll be, uh, yeah. I'll be uh, doing um, uh, a, sh- a show at La Nocturne. Rick Martinez, who's producer of those shows, that's December 9th. And where is that? La Nocturne is on, uh, is on Clark Street, just north of Lawrence. Okay. Um, so, and where yeah. can we find out this information? You can go to my Instagram account. It's DJ Lori Branch. Okay. Um, I also have my mixes on SoundCloud, DJ Lori Branch. Or certainly, you can try me on Facebook. I, I think I have a little friend, friend room there. Uh, but most of, you know, the usual social channels, you can you can find me if you're motivated. And and also to look under Lori Branch and not yeah, Laura. Lori. So Lori yes. is, is my alter ego. So <laughs> L-O-R-I, branch uh, like on a tree. Okay. And and let's talk a little bit about some of the other uh, advocacy work, activist mm-hmm. work that, that you've been doing for a number of years. You've been on the board and I maybe even an officer for um, yeah. Chicago Black Gay Men's Caucus yes, for a I've, number of I've years. I've been on the board of directors since since the inception, um, since 2005. And that was a program that actually grew out of my work as the director of LGBT health when I was at the health department. And uh, really uh, to, to talk about how black men, black gay men specifically, are so disproportionately affected by HIV um, and how we can work as a community to, to ensure that they have long and healthy lives. And so I work with Keith Green, who's the yes. executive director, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with... Uh, with uh, um, many talented folks who are on the staff and with the board of directors to bring programming to Chicago, the Chicago area. Well, that's very important work. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if you know this story, but my brother died from AIDS. No, and um, um, 
it, it, I always wonder, because he died in mm-hmm. uh, the early 90s, if he had just could have lived a little bit longer because that's when protease inhibitors were, yes. you know, yes. coming about. And we know folks, mm-hmm. both you and I know folks who have lived with HIV for 35, 40 years. Absolutely. You know, um, Phil Wilson comes to mind, right, mm-hmm. for somebody who's uh, uh, been groundbreaking in, in this work mm-hmm. and a trailblazer. Yes. And we know that the only reason why we're still talking about this, particularly in the black and brown communities, is because yes. of stigma and racism. Absolutely. And and the stigma happens both within our communities, but it also happens in the medical industry. Absolutely. So, I mean, part part of my job, just to bring it back to the top, Mm -hmm. is to make is to try to work above the stigma. And we have technology now that that helps facilitate that so we can get above people's bias about who needs a test and who needs this medication. If it's kind of automated in the systems that exist in healthcare clinics, everybody has access to everything at the same time. And so we're working to try to optimize those systems across the world. We're in the United States, Spain, and Portugal with the program that I work for, but we want to be everywhere. And how do we impact culture Mm -hmm. in healthcare, meaning that I should be able to, if I'm, you know, a person who thinks I might be positive or I am in fact positive, be mm-hmm. able to walk into my healthcare provider and have a frank conversation about what I need to, you know, worry about, what, what my treatment should be. My understanding, and, and mm-hmm. we did some research on this actually a few years ago. We worked on a big project with University of Chicago through Morton Group. Yes. Where it was about making sure that when you walked into your healthcare provider, you actually felt included and welcomed mm-hmm. and that you could talk to them about whatever was bothering you. And, yeah. and I know that Folks don't necessarily um, feel that way now, and particularly trans folks don't. Absolutely. I mean, it's difficult. It's not an easy answer, Mary, because we we do have some luxury living in Chicago and in big cities to kind of curate our health experience. Mm. So the Chicago Black Gay Men's Caucus, for example, can provide you with a list of friendly providers, Mm -hmm. of people who understand your issues and who are going to be sensitive if you're part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, that may not happen in Ohio or in rural right. Indiana. That's right. That's right. So or we, in places outside of Chicago. Abso- absolutely. That's right. So mm-hmm. so they can't. They don't have that that luxury. And even within Chicago, there's still a ton of bias. That's right. Um, because we have a shortage of, of clinicians. We have yeah. a shortage of places where people can get those kinds of services. So I do encourage that if you are in in the Chicago area, that you seek out those resources that are are, are advertised as being you know tailored for you because they exist i mean places like howard brown and Mm -hmm. and um and you can get a list of these from chicago black amens caucus if you're part of the black community but there are many i don't want to start going down the list right but we have a lot to choose from right but i do think we have a lot of work to do in just addressing the bias and that's where media comes in that's where programs like this are important that's why your voice is important and to stand up it always speak truth to power if you work in one of these institutions and you see that happening you might right. be a, a lowly medical assistant or mm-hmm. you know you not, low, not lowly everyone is important yes. but you may not have a, a seat at the table but your voice is important and we have our community is everywhere Absolutely. They're in rural Indiana. That's right. They're in southern Illinois. They're in the south, the north suburbs, you know, and to always sort of, you know, show up, be out, first of all. Yes. And that is something that, you know, you have to do when yes. you can be right, because we understand everyone can't be out everywhere or yes. all the time and that it is a journey in terms of when you can. Right. But that visibility is life saving in it, some cases. It, it absolutely is. And if you can't be out somewhere, everywhere, be out somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, even at, you know, one step at a time. And I know that it's weird that we're still having this conversation about being out. 
but it's it's the thing it's that kills important. us. It's, yeah, you know, silence equals death. That's right. That's still the, that's still right. the case in that's our right. families, in our communities, in clinical settings. You know, you, that uh, that's African sand. You know, you can't fix something if you don't talk about it. That's not the that's not the exact sand. But, <laughs> but yes, we get the, we you get can the idea. Your, you can seal your disease. You yes. can't get right. cured. No, absolutely. You know? <laughs> we have to be able to talk about, about it. You have to be able yes. to claim it, to identify it, to absolutely. address it. And uh, to your point, there are many folks that there are folks that are still living in fear of that. And mm-hmm. to the folks who are not part of the community. Yes. We need those allies and co-conspirators. Yes. You know, we need you to, to talk about these issues as well because it impacts every one of us. Absolutely. Every single one of us. And to get involved with policy. And, you know, I just did a presentation as part of the Funding Forward um, conference that was here in Chicago. And we are just talking about all the anti-gay trans, um, um, legislation, legislation mm-hmm. that is out there, especially anti-trans That's legislation. Right. That's like right. Like 520 bills right. that are specifically designed mm-hmm. to silence and chill the community into back into the closet. That's right. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine? I mean, 70 just this year, 70 anti-trans bills just this year. And this gives you some sense of why the upcoming election is critical. Any elections coming up, Mm -hmm. but in particular, the national election that will take place next year. Yes. Figure out a way to get involved. Do some phone banking. Give some money. Um, We need everybody on board or some of these uh, pieces of legislation um, will move forward. I had the opportunity to talk to uh, uh, Zoe Zephyr, the representative uh, Mm -hmm. from... um, Montana, who had been silenced. Yes. And, um, you know, she's doing her work. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, the, the legislature only meets every other year, right. which is an odd Crazy. kind of timing yeah. uh, in Montana. <laughs> Yet there's work that we all need to be doing, yeah. even during this in-between time. And, yeah. and she was very clear on that. So we'll have part of that interview in the next few weeks. Uh, but to your point, there's some work that all of us can do. All of us can do it. That's and right. if you're in social media and you see hateful messages, speak out. You know, and it means something different when somebody outside of the community is speaks for the community. That's right. It's really important. It's Allies very important. are so important. And That's when you right. see anti-gay, anti-trans, you know, anti-woman, anti-black, anti-anything, that means none of us are safe. That's right. None of us are safe if one of us is not safe. We all have to work for each other. Well, I can't think of a better place to leave it. Thank you so much for Thank being you. here. Thanks for all of your activism and advocacy and I'm just going to th- say thank you for all that good music hey now <laughs> thank you That's for all that saying. good music I mean you couldn't see us well maybe some of you could if you were on, on Facebook we're but dancing. we were it's a little dance party happening in here uh, and I'm going to continue playing that music on the way home yes. but want to thank you so much for joining me and thank thanks you, to all of you for listening um, this, this uh, will be available tomorrow morning we'll post it uh, and Laura will have it I will have it and so please check it out and uh, we'll see you next time on Living out loud.